For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo, Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's up, all you Rebels and powerful parents? Hope you're having a great week. Got a fun Moms on the Mic for you today. I wasn't a part of this because I'm not a mom, but uh, the Atomic Mom and Producer Kay interviewed Vicki Courtney, and they're talking about conversations with our daughters. What a great topic. Today's pod is sponsored by Trinova, Amazon.com slash Trinova. Use the code word REBELPOD at checkout for 20% off everything they sell. I just rebought the new all-purpose cleaner. I love it so much. I know it sounds weird to say you love an all-purpose cleaner, but I dig this stuff. In fact, I had a contractor over just today, and we were talking about it, and he's like, oh my goodness, when I go over to Lowe's and they've cleaned, I can't even get in there. It smells so much like a chemical. And I was like, dude, check out my new all-purpose cleaner. And he was like, what? And I was like, I know, it's crazy. Amazon.com slash Trinova, code word, RebelPod, for 20% off everything they sell. We appreciate the moms out there. We love you guys so much, and this program is specifically for you. Here is the Atomic Mom, Producer Kay, and Vicki Courtney on today's Moms on the Mic edition of Rebel Parenting. Hello, everybody. Here we are on Moms on the Mic. Hello, Rebels and Mamas. Rebel Mamas. Rebel Mamas. (laughs) That's it. Rebel Mamas. And we just want to thank MyPillow.com for being our sponsor. Mm -hmm. And if you type the word in uh, the code word rebel to MyPillow.com, you will get your discount and get your free pillow. And I have to admit, I love MyPillow. I still won't give one away. I have two and I'm very (laughs) uh, fortunate of MyPillow. So... (laughs) And it's cheaper than Costco, is what Ryan just told me. We just found out it's cheaper than Costco to go to ours and type in the word rebel at the code. So anyway, we are here today with Vicki Courtney, and we're going to uh, just dive in and start talking about how to talk to our daughters. I'm yes. so excited because I feel this is exactly what I need as a mom. My mom personally didn't tell me much I was just kind of thrown to the wolves with all my brothers I have five five older brothers and a dad so I am pretty clueless about this conversations that we're going to start having on this show today so I hope all the listeners get a lot out of it and uh, Vicki thank you for being with us today yeah well thank you all for having me (laughs) all right well so Vicki why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there Sure, sure. So I uh, have been married 31, going on 32 years. And Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I know, I guess not many people can say that nowadays, but no. uh, wonderful and godly man. And we have three grown adult children, a son, a daughter, and then the baby is a son. And the good news about all that is that they are married. They are off the payroll and they have, <laughs> they're all raising children of their own now, which makes me a grandmother, which is such a, Yay. Well, that, that is the reward for all that hard work that I right. <laughs> I know. So I can't five, wait to be a grandma. Five grandkids and a sixth one on the way. So all boys, except for one little grand princess in the mix. Oh, 
grand princess. Oh, I love it. That is awesome. And she so is we're all terrified of her. She calls the shots. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. that's how it so is. Does, so does my daughter. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mine here. Mine too. Not a bad thing in today's world, right? Right. No. Not at all. Not at all. True. So we just wanted to get in and dive right in and start talking about what are some of the deep issues and deep things that we should be talking to our daughters about that by the time they leave the nest or leave the house, that they are well aware of these conversations that we're about to talk about. Right. Well, just to give you a brief background. So I originally wrote five conversations you must have with your daughter 10 years ago. And then my publisher approached me about a year and a half ago and asked if I would uh, update the book. And I, with a little bit of hesitation, um, (laughs) agreed to do it. Because as I just mentioned, I'm in this delightful chapter where ignorance is bliss. You know, I am not on the hook to raise these little grandchildren. So I can just like spoil and rotten and not know what's going on in the culture right now. (laughs) I love it. So when I accepted uh, the challenge, I had to dive back into the trenches and figure out, okay, what has been going on in the last 10 years? And I have to say, I was I was pretty shocked. I mean, I knew somewhat of what was, you know, shaken down out there. But what I figured out pretty quickly is that the original book was written pretty much to parents raising millennial children. Mm -hmm. And my challenge now was to really write an updated version of the book for millennial parents, essentially raising this new generation that they've dubbed uh, Gen Z or iGen, whatever you want to call them. So brand new set of parents uh, raising a brand new generation of kids facing a brand new set of challenges. And so I learned pretty quickly that while there's a little bit of crossover between Gen Z and millennials, they really are a completely different animal when it comes to the culture's challenges. And I think the thing that jumped out at me the most was that it is the first generation growing up in post-Christian America. Yes. At the, you know, Yes. It, it was heartbreaking to me to mm. read that and see that in print. But then as a grandmother, you know, I, I have I have skin in this game, right? Yes. So yeah. I was happy to jump back in and I, sometimes it was a little bit overwhelming reading statistics mm-hmm. related to, you know, this generation that's facing a mental health crisis, record level numbers of anxiety, depression, even suicide and such. And so not to start off, you know, on this whole interview with the doom and gloom, uh, but just being honest, I mean, it really was a little bit shocking to oh, I'm sure. see how much things had changed in just a short period of time. And then where do we go with that? And so the good news about all that is that, you know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And so the mm-hmm. same hope that we mm-hmm. that parents had, you know, whether they were raising kids, you know, 200 years ago, 100 years ago, or now is is there today. And so yes, we can't lose sight of that. Oh, That's I love right. that. You are right. So with the comparison of millennials, and now to Generation Z, what are some other bigger challenges that you see that that Z is having to confront, or the parents are going to have to Maybe it's a newer conversation that you're, uh, we as parents are going to have to have with our daughters and sons. Right. That's, a good, 
So I'll give you a few examples here. So my first conversation has to do with identity, which we know is just huge in culture. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Ten years ago, I wasn't really having to address, okay, um, I'm writing to mothers whose daughters think they may be sons, right? Or, you know, right. Or just gender identity crisis. Um, mm-hmm. And just even in respect to what does biblical manhood and womanhood look like in today's culture? Because we, I think in years past, we've gotten a very rigid sort of stereotypical view of what makes a, you know, a godly woman and what makes a godly man. And I think we're in any way changing what scripture says in regard to that. We don't do that, obviously. But, you know, I really, I asked some tough questions just in diving in because there's a lot of what has been taught, you know, in the last 50 years. It's just not going to fly with this generation. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, it is not yeah. It's not flying right now. And, mm. you know, where millennials were dubbed the duns, you know, in regard to they're done with organized religion slash church, all of that. Gen Z is has been dubbed the nuns. Like we're talking about this is a, a clean slate generation where and, and in mm. some ways that's actually better. Like if you're up for the challenge, right? <laughs> if we're not too tired to be up for the challenge, right. a clean slate is oftentimes better to work with than a demographic that is just tired and disgusted and, you know, apathetic, exactly, yeah. or yeah. disappointed in what they saw maybe growing up, not to put blame on uh, Christian parents in any way, but there are things we get right and there are things we get wrong. And so yeah. in this edition, uh, the updated version, and God has taught me so much as well. And, you know, I, I should say that 10 years ago when the books were coming out, I had one in college and two in high school, right? So mm-hmm. now to write this updated version and be looking in my rearview mirror is a completely different ball game. Mm. Right. So it's I, a special I, viewpoint. Well, I could come along and actually encourage the moms that, you know, there's really little that we gain in majoring in the minors. And what are the most important things that, you know, in the aftermath of all of this that my kids took away into their own uh, adult years and, and now their own homes. And I, you know, I've always been very careful to take any credit for the way kids turn out, right? Because you never know. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. I, I, my story probably sounds somewhat similar to, to yours, Laura, and that I, you know, I didn't have a lot of guidance growing up. And I don't know if that's your story, but I yeah. wasn't in a Christian home. I didn't become right. a Christian until I was 21 years old in college. And um, yeah. it was all brand new to me. And so, you know, I, I don't want to ever, I don't know, just... Mm-hmm put categories on people like, well, you're only going to turn out, your kids aren't going to turn out if they're not going to church every Sunday and, you know, yeah. this and that. And so those are wonderful things, but we need to be careful that we don't send a message that, you know, there's this formula, you know, you raise your kids, you check off all the boxes and they're guaranteed to walk with Jesus into their adult years. And, right. Um, yeah. So I, I got to share with my children's permission, my adult children's permission, of course, some really hard lessons we learned along the way. Um, in those, you know, it got tough for us in the high school years. It was, I think more enjoyable than even the baby years, but I'm not going to lie. There was hurt. There were hurdles along the way, even in the aftermath or college years. And so, uh, my, my youngest, I would say was, he wasn't your stereotypical prodigal in that you, you know, he didn't really announce that he was leaving the path and, and rush into the world. So he was still very active in church and leading um, in young life in his college years, but he was very much away from God. And so in my, my book and conversations with your sons, I share his story of a struggle mm. 
he had and uh, really an addiction, if you will. And so in the aftermath of all that, and I, I don't know, I've just always been one of these that I'm like, I, I, we've all probably had our feel of moms who are trying to present themselves as having it all together. And I've never wanted to be that person just to yeah. <laughs> pressure. And so I've really approached the, my writing in the same way that if I can't be honest and talk about um, the messy parts of parenting, Mm-hmm. then it's just not something I want to do because that's not realistic. We're, we're all going through some messes here. Yeah. So all that to say, you know, the challenge in writing these was just to look at that, the differences there. But then also I had the luxury now of looking in my review mirror and even asking my adult children, okay, you guys have kids of your own now. Mm-hmm. What, what worked in this book and what did not work in this book? <laughs> be honest and tell me so I could write right. those things out that didn't work or adjust them. And so, you know, I was honest about just a lot of things in that. And I should say though, since we're primarily talking about daughters, so you guys need to have me come back and we'll talk about sons on another day. Yes, definitely. definitely. My daughter right there in the middle of two, two brothers, uh, was really my good kid. Right. So I always look at it like, you know, in the prodigal son story, you've got the prodigal son and then you've got the elder brother and everybody picks on that prodigal son. Right. Right. And it, it's me crazy because I certainly, you know, in my, my years, I've probably more identified with him. I had to sow a whole lot of wild oats before I got to Jesus and even in the aftermath of that. Yeah. And so um, my daughter's one of these, much like her father, my husband, who would probably identify more with the elder son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they told the line. It's not fair, you know, all of that. And so in writing that, you know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of teenage challenges with her, I'll tell you. And by college, she was really, she was looking for the campus Bible study and that sort of a thing. Now, my boys were a little bit of a different story, like I said, but my daughter, the challenge was different because we have challenges when we're raising some, a child that identifies more with being the elder sibling. brother in that story because they can struggle with being judgmental uh, self-righteous right exactly i know i know the way i know i know what's right exactly so recognizing that in your kids is very helpful i would share to Mm. most there but uh some of the things that i tackle in the book so conversation one really has to do i mentioned with identity and part of you know more specifically and there's uh, three chapters for every conversation and so the whole idea five conversations is that these are ongoing conversations. You start these conversations as young as possible and you continue them over time, of course, adapting them to their level of understanding and their, what they're able to comprehend and, and such. And so, you know, with that first conversation and dealing with identity, I talk a lot uh, to mothers of daughters about making sure your daughter, um, you instill a proper sense of worth and that she doesn't caught up in what I call the world's uh, flawed equations for worth, you know, that it's yeah. <laughs> really, you know, that worth is equal to what she looks like, you know, right. her reflection right. in the mirror, what the culture tells her she should look like, mm-hmm. uh, are her gifts, her talents, you know, but it, it's more based on your ability that your worth is tied into what you look like, what you do, what other people think. And of course that's huge with all the pressures that come for our daughters with social media when we open that door, Pandora's box, and yep. um, every day is a popularity contest. Every day they're judged for the pictures. How many likes? Post. How many? Yep. Followers. Did I get enough followers? Did I get enough clicks? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so yeah. you know, I didn't have that growing up, and I'm frankly, I'm quite glad I didn't have that challenge. I think I would have just too. been a mess of a girl, bigger mess yeah. of 
really already was. Yeah. So I couldn't have handled, I think, the pressures that come with that. So I talk a lot, you know, in, in that particular conversation, just again, with the culture's very narrow definition of beauty, mm. um, where our daughters fall in line to that, but I also ask the mom some hard questions. And every conversation has some really deep questions at the end, because I'm hoping that moms will use this for like group study or book club and yeah. get together and hold each other accountable. But you know, a lot of a lot of it in that conversation is having moms really reflect on what am I modeling to my daughter right. with own behaviors, the things that I say when I look at myself in the mirror, the comments <laughs> I make. We were just talking about we this. We were just having this yeah. conversation, Vicki. How do we talk to our listeners and to all our rebel moms out there that struggle with their own body image and struggle with their own self-image and their own clicks and I'm not getting enough likes on this post yeah. or... Right. I, I I wish my YouTube channel was better or whatever it is. What? <laughs> yes, I <laughs> you know? hear you. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, expand, keep Especially going. Especially with this generation that can call, you know, I don't believe one word that you said because I'm watching you. Yep. yep. That's right. So, okay, Laura, something you just said, and I think it's so perfect. I would say, and you worded it so beautifully there with all the things that we ourselves struggle with. It doesn't matter how old we are, right? So I start with being honest. And that's a lot of what I talk about in this Mm -hmm. book is that I think sometimes as moms, we um, feel the pressure that we have to measure up and Mm -hmm. portray ourselves to our children as like this pretty package and we have it all together and never lose it. My kids know that, yeah, mom's going to lose it at times, but (laughs) that we also have many of the same struggles, right? And so there's nothing wrong. In fact, there's, it's beneficial if you set your daughter down and you're like, you know, the other day was the weirdest thing. I was online and I was looking at somebody else's podcast and I noticed, golly, I mean, look at where it's ranked and look how many listeners they have. And I found myself getting so wrapped up into this whole idea of, okay, you know, I had to stop and remind myself, what does God's word tell me about my worth? It's not going to be, I, I don't measure it based on how many listeners I have to a podcast or where it's ranked. And so just kind of using your example there that in sharing with our, our children that we are on the same journey, we are, yes. we're fellow sojourners, we're strugglers as mm-hmm. well. And we're learning as we go. We don't necessarily have this all together, but we along with you can identify the things that leave us feeling really empty and gross. Mm. And, right. And so by helping our children identify, okay, I had that same empty place and we're yeah. to fill it with looking for worth in all the wrong places, whether it's, uh, hopping on social media and mm-hmm. posting some sort of picture that I'm hoping gets a bunch of likes and comments, especially from opposite sex. And, you know, that, that sort of thing that, um, I, that's what our girls are going through. I mean, they're, yeah. They're dealing with those battles every day. And so if we can let them know that on some level we face a similar battle and we're trying to remind ourselves as well of God's truths, then Mm. they see that it's always going to be a battle. It's not, but pretend like it's not and we make it look so easy, then for one thing, they don't feel like we're really a safe person to share their struggles with, right? For sure. Yeah. Mom has it all together, and she expects that I'm going to toe the line and at least yeah. pretend to have it together. So yeah. I can tell her yeah. about these pictures. So well, and it can lead to like, what's wrong with me? Why? Why am I right. struggling with these conversations? And I love it too, just because it feels like that's just the human condition. 
nowadays and exactly. in, in today's culture whether you be man woman or whatever you're it's just the human condition that we're all up against mm -hmm. from absolutely. our culture yeah absolutely and, and so that's you know the first conversation the second conversation mm. um is to guard your heart and that one is of course mm, good kids and always one of my favorite verses and um sharing with teenagers i don't do a lot of speaking to teenagers anymore now that i'm on the grandmother end i find that they're not really looking for grandmothers to come in and speak to you but <laughs> yeah um, you know, I always talk about how guard your heart for it. It, you know, is a wellspring of life. It, it, it influences one translation. I think New Living says it influences everything you do. And that's the truth. I mean, it really mm. does. And so if they don't at some point learn to guard their hearts, then they're going to be setting themselves up for a world of hurt. And of course, that's, again, something that we can share with them that we struggle with as well. And, and so in that particular conversation, I am really dealing specifically with um, ways to reinforce that. Like what yes. sort of friends are they choosing? You are who you hang out, hang out with. Bad company does corrupt good morals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm also dealing with digital distractions and, mm. uh, you know, I think I alluded to at the beginning, uh, the mental health crisis and you yeah. know, the, the data that is out there now with that, um, with just the influences, digital technology, media, all of that social media is having on our kids is just absolutely astounding. And so at some point, we've got to sit down with our daughters and make sure that they are learning to guard their hearts. Uh, because truth be told, we are not going to be able to draw a boundary and put them in this tiny little tidy safe space where, you know, we can guarantee that they're never going to stumble across uh, pornography or they're never going to uh, be involved in, you know, a temptation to sex a boy or something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. We are going to have to address these things head on and be willing to talk about them very mm -hmm. candidly in our homes. And um, what can I ask? Cause sure. we're all about getting honest with our children here. Yeah. Um, at what age would you start talking about the pornography and the sexting and the things of that nature with your girls? It's a lot younger than what I recommended in the, in the book 10 years ago, but I would say, you know, okay, to jump ahead to conversation three, just so we don't blend that one with conversation two. Okay. I talk about oh, sex. Oh, I see. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. That one. And so, you know, in order to really talk about some of the things that are dangerous in regard to sexing and such, we have to have the groundwork, obviously, of, um, you know, discussing with them first, what is sex? And, you know, and so I, like in that conversation, I share with parents probably around age eight. I, I mean, yeah. I know it sounds incredibly young, but we need to remember that they are hearing so much of this already, and you know, just on the playground mm -hmm. school. You know, you don't have to go into all the the nitty gritty details, but to at least um, be the first one to say to them, maybe, hey, hey, you know what? And with a lot of confidence, not freaking yeah. out. Yeah, not, should be no shame in this whatsoever. But yeah. you know, hey, I just wanted to, you know, sit you down and have a talk about, you know, tell you about this word that you're going to probably be hearing. Somewhere along the line in the next few years, you're probably going to hear the word sex. And I don't want to be the one to tell you what it means because God created sex to be something wonderful and beautiful between a husband and wife. And a lot of people are telling some lies about that out there. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to always feel comfortable coming to me and telling me when you heard that word. Yeah. Uh, someone's told you a lie about it. And so, you know, you take the shame away from it, first of all. Yeah. You know, okay. you make sure that they feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah. And so as they get, so I, so I would say, you know, definitely eight to 10, 
probably more eight years old if it's the youngest child or, or a younger child of, you know, older siblings or yeah. um, they're, you know, in school around kids a lot. Um, if they're more sheltered, mom's going to have to try to figure out and dad. Um, and I say mom because I think it's ever so important that dads have these same conversations, but the yeah, board mothers. But, you know, they'll have to figure out just based on their um, child's level of understanding what they're ready for. Mm. Uh, But then back, you know, jumping back to conversation, too, once you lay the groundwork and, of course, you've had conversations about sex and such, at some point, we're going to have to start talking to our daughters and our sons, for that matter, uh, about sexting and just all that's out there, pornography. and, And I would say, you know, really, again, probably we're looking at... Uh, for pornography, eight to ten years old. You yeah, know, now still. many kids are stumbling upon it, whether it's accidental. Um, well, I sh- saying the average is t- usually is ten years old. Yes, when the, first boy sees pornography. Yes, and yeah. I believe it's now the same for girls. For girls, okay, well. so it's similar. So here's the the challenge that we have with Gen Z as compared to millennials and boomers and Gen X and such. This is the first time that, you know, they are showing indication that they really don't think it's that bad. Yep. Whereas before, previous generations, it wasn't hard to convince them that pornography is immoral. And so the challenge we face now is that a lot of them don't even really think it's a bad thing. Yep. It's so natural and normal, and this is just something kids do. And so I'll give you kind of a... Um, scary statistic that I ran across. It was, a, it was a, get ready, it was a Barna survey. Yeah. And they found that when teens and young adults um, were asked to rank a series of actions, uh, lying, stealing, adultery, etc., on a five-point scale based on, okay, is that action always okay, usually okay, it's neither wrong nor okay, or usually it's wrong or it's always wrong. Teens and young adults ranked not recycling as more immoral than viewing pornographic images. Oh no. Not, oh my gosh. For not recycling. Not rank- recycling. Yes, it ranks I can not- see that. I can see Yes, yes. You can yeah. see it play out. I can I see know. it play out. Oh. It actually ranked number 4, pretty high up. Uh, oh. Cons- yep. Significant consumption of electricity or water ranked number 7. And viewing pornographic images was way down at number nine. Wow. Wow. So here's the challenge we face. You know, here's the war we're in. Right. We can't assume that it's enough to just sit our kids down, especially for a one-time conversation and say, okay, here's what pornography (laughs) is. And you, you may accidentally see this. Someone may try to show you this, whatever the circumstances is. You can't just go, it's wrong. The Bible says it's wrong and you shouldn't look at it. Right. You know, no, because no. the generation that's like hearing, well, it's why is it wrong? What what's wrong with it, right? Who's it really yeah. hurting? And so you've got to go a step further. You've got to, and I feel like we really always should have been doing this as parents, but it always explain the why behind. Okay, this is what God's word says, mm-hmm. and He cares for us, and He loves us, and He created us, and He has our best interest in mind, and um, and so we have to take the time to over and over again explain and then re-explain the why behind God's standards. Yes. Uh, because we can't, we can't assume that, you know, they're growing up in a culture where it's just natural for them to know that, okay, obviously that would be wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not 
true. That's not the case anymore. Well, and the effects of it. I mean, there's been so many studies of how bad pornography has corrupted our culture. And I don't, I think just having one conversation about it would not do justice to anybody, but just how it affects the brain, how it's affecting people having sex later in life, Mm -hmm. how it, just all the things that it's doing to women, sex trafficking. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can dive into so many avenues Mm -hmm. to where if you really want to get honest with your child and really like give them a big view of it. Uncover that in the whole entire chapter dedicated to pornography and the brain (laughs) ministry, as you mentioned, you know, behind all this and how, you know, what it does is it creates a neural pathway when you you view over and over again after a while you know you're every time what you're looking for is kind of that dopamine blast of the brain and so you know it's telling you go do this again the compulsion is so strong it's been likened to you know breaking a heroin addiction so that's part of what i'm talking about when i say we have to it's not enough just to say the bible says Mm -hmm. this is wrong we have got to explain to them you know the the why behind god's standards but really also you know i mean even uh, doing research in the uh, third conversation related to sex, I uncovered, this was a good eight, 10 years ago when I wrote the boy version, I uncovered information or data about oxytocin, which is, you know, the hormone that basically um, signals labor in the, in a mother when she's about to deliver, mm-hmm. tells her body to go into labor. And it's also the same hormone that triggers um, a signal to let for a mother's milk to come down and they call it the bonding and trust hormone. Yeah. And you know, it builds trust and bonding between mother and child. Well, that same hormone is found when you have sex. And mm-hmm. so you know, just in explaining that to my daughter and my sons, I told them all about oxytocin and just how that, that mm-hmm. hormone is released and God intended that. And when he says the two shall become one, I mean, look how beautiful that is. It's supporting what scientists, neuroscientists have found happens when you have sex. And so Mm -hmm. you're those. And to take that out of the context of marriage is where it becomes broken. Because you're not supposed to bond someone other than, of course, your spouse. And so, you know, in explaining those things, uh, we educate them, but it also supports so much of what God's word is already telling us. Because, mm-hmm. and does the oxytocin also get released when they're watching porn? Yes, it does. Okay, I, Just... I believe it's referred to a version of it as vasopressin. Okay. And so, you know, that's what's going on there. And so in dopamine and all those chemicals and just lighting up the brain. And yeah, just um, again, you know, yeah, so yeah. it's much like being addicted to alcohol or drugs. Um, you know, and, and I'll go ahead and share her because it's public in the five conversations with son's book. Obviously, it's there for anyone to read. But this was a struggle that my youngest son had. And we discovered this a year after he was married. Mm-hmm. And it almost destroyed his marriage. And so my son... Uh, and he's in a wonderful place today. He's actually yeah. leading in group at his church. He's got heavy accountability. He's weekly. He sees a counselor. Um, yeah. He will be the first to tell you that when you are breaking an addiction like this, it is a full-time job for the rest of your life. Yes. And you have to know that going yep. into it. So he um, writes the most beautiful letter of encouragement to moms. 
in, and it's a bonus conversation in the back of the book, that really what he wants moms to know who are fearful that their son may, oh, it, it will make you ball like a baby. I'm just going to tell you. It actually was, it wasn't, I didn't even ask him to do this. And it was, I had the book for another 48 hours before it was due to go to the printer. And I was looking at it for just those final, the page proofs, you know, you're at the last final hurdle. Yeah, and yeah. My son said he felt like God was nudging him to write something for the book. And I said, go for it. And of course, received it and cried. And then after I finished crying, then <laughs> I contacted my editor and she said, this has to go in the book. And so it's absolutely beautiful because, you know, and, and here's what I want you to know. All of that brain chemistry stuff was in the original book. And so I know a mom might be listening and thinking, oh, great. So the lady who wrote the book and was actually one of probably a handful, <laughs> truth be told, you know, yeah. eight or ten years, years ago that was having brain, the brain chemistry conversations yeah. with her sons. Now, I would be lying if I told you this thought didn't occur to me as well, right? That, mm -hmm. okay, how does the mother who wrote the book and was actually having these conversations have a son who falls into this? Now, I want to share that with you to mm -hmm. say that's how powerful this drug is. Yes. Yeah. That's how powerful this drug is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my son shares in the letter the most important thing, and I don't want to give it away. So, mm. you know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Here, the most important thing moms need to remember, and dads for that matter, when talking to their kids about this. And, you know, at the end of the day, we do our job, right? We do the best job we possibly can. God's given us to be stewards of our children and, I don't take any responsibility in any way, shape, or form that this is something that my son fell into, but it's her mother's tendency, and that's why I share that, to just beat ourselves up mm -hmm. and think, oh, I'm sure I could have read one more book, right? Right, right, I'm sure right, I could have right. had one more conversation. Yeah. And so, anyway, it's a beautiful letter that he writes to moms to encourage them that's and remind awesome. them of what's truly important when talking, more important, basically, than having verbal conversations with your sons and it will sound to a lot of what we're talking about don't be afraid to share that you're a fellow struggler whether that's the area you struggle in or something else mm -hmm. and um and always be faithful in letting your kids know that they can never ever out sin the grace of god it's never yeah. too late to yeah. Begin again yeah oh i love oh, it yeah perfect so perfect good. uh yeah i well with the screens thing it's interesting. We've come up with this where we, thanks to Rebel Parenting and these continuing conversations of just being aware of what is coming to our kids daily, I feel like we have a pretty open conversation at home. But then there's like this little area of in between home and school when like my kids walk home from school. And so they have friends that have phones. And so there's this that little time period where I'm like, I have no control over what's going on. And all I can say is, if your friend, friends are doing something inappropriate, it's your job to just come home and like giving them that empowerment of saying, this is your choice in this little time period. Cause like at our, our house, we try to take whoever's coming in and out that has a phone and say, hey, it has to be on the counter in the kitchen. Like, no taking it downstairs together. None of no, that. No, not in the bedroom, nowhere. But there's a lot of, like, this letting go and letting them choose. And that's really hard <laughs> as a mom. It is hard. 
and that's that's really where this whole conversation comes in where you're what you're doing is you're teaching and you're training them at a very early age to guard their mm-hmm. heart and you're telling them I am not going to be there all mm-hmm. the time to yeah. keep you safe. I am not going to be there at some point you will not want me there. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> in the preteen years, but or yep. no, the tween years and yeah. so um you start to turn that corner where you, you know, mom starts off, they're so little and they look at you and they're like, oh, mom hung yeah. the moon. And then it's like, mom is from the moon. It takes a, you know, <laughs> yes, turn. Yep. So, That's where I'm at. Um, but you know, it, it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well, thank, right. you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and if it helps, I'm best friends with my daughter and she lives three hey. miles from my house. So we see each other almost daily. So there's <laughs> that. Just remember the reward. But, but you're, you know, really, you've got to, you know, the other thing I share in that particular conversation, and this is, I think this is helpful for me and hopefully helpful for anyone out there who fills that pull with just digital distractions. And I know most of us do, um, but to teach our kids to ask themselves this question on a regular basis, is this good for Mm -hmm. my soul? That's good. So that's great. Especially for our daughters, you know, it's a simple question, but I've had to train myself. Mm. Okay. Sometimes I feel like I'm feeling rather empty, right? And I realize, oh, I've spent an awful lot of time lately on Instagram. Twitter puts me in a very, very grumpy mood. Yeah. Um, certain things out there. Uh, but even if it's something just fairly innocent, innocuous, like, um, oh, my new favorite game, Wordscapes, <laughs> you know, and I don't know if you will play that. So addictive. See, there's the dopamine blast going on in my head. And so, again, moms could share something like that, just anything related to that to let their kids know they're, they can relate on a, yeah. on some level. You can just letting your kids know, yeah, sometimes I get on Facebook and I'm going through this news feed. And after a while, I realize it's been like 35, 40 minutes. And I just get to stay on there five minutes and I feel kind of empty mm-hmm. when I get off. And, you know, 35 minutes, I can never get back in my life. And I, I realize this is not good That's for my soul. That's a great question. And so I've answer that Holy Spirit nudge and I've got to actually do something about it when I recognize it. And so we can get our kids to ask themselves the same question and again, help them know that we too struggle with it. And we're trying to ask ourselves that. So, you know, it doesn't hurt to the dinner table or whatever, have conversations related to, yeah, the other day, you know, I, was online and I just got distracted and I got on this bunny trail and before you knew it I was looking at some person that I barely know as cousins best friends <laughs> wedding pictures yeah and, right you know, just be honest just, you know yeah I felt yeah. Right, right the time that I gave mm, up yeah. for that and then on you know a more dangerous level for our children when they know that whatever it is is not good for their soul because it's contrary to what God's word yeah. tells them would be and pleasing mm-hmm. to God that's yeah. good. And I mean, with my 12 year old, she does have a phone, but it's just for messaging and calling. So she's been begging. Well, she signed a contract for sixth grade to not use social media at her school. They all signed a contract. And um, I love that. But then she's been begging me for Pinterest, which I can't stand Pinterest <laughs> for <laughs> some of the reasons there. But that is a that has been a, a real conversation of, you know, it's yes, it's fun to look at. And there is a lot of, well, I can't do that. So yeah. and I don't look like that and I can't create that. And so I love where you're saying what you're saying is just being honest with where you struggle. So even if I just came into that conversation of just saying, 
Here's why I don't like Pinterest. <laughs> because for me, it's a big comparison trap. Mm. And that I'm not a good enough, whatever, mom, yeah. whatever. Well, first of all, and you said 12. she's how old, 12? I mean, the fact that she's 12 and all she's really wanting right now is Pinterest speaks no. well with her parents. <laughs> so, I mean, with, with compared to... What I have mothers emailing me that their 12 year olds are into is just, you you know, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one example I give or analogy is, you know, because we also have to be careful that we don't go right. on the other extreme where everything mm. forbidden. And so then you have the law of forbidden fruit, which most likely kicks in in the high school or college years if you made it that far, keeping them off everything, which I don't advise. And so at some point when you think she's ready, that would be a great first step. But the analogy I give is like, just as you would not take a two-year-old and, you know, take them from their tricycle and put them on a 10-speed bike mm -hmm. and give them a shove into, say good luck. you know, the busiest yeah. part of town <laughs> and say, yeah, God, <laughs> best of luck. You would not do that with your child either. So you would yeah. train them. And so a training bills approach mm. with digital media, That's social good. media That's would be to, one. when you're ready, yeah. take that first step and say, even though this is something that makes mom feel like I just never measure up or there's something better out yeah. there, there's a bigger house or a better house or everybody's cooking those <laughs> awesome meals with all those recipes and y'all are getting tacos every mm -hmm. night or whatever, you know, you're sharing with her, this is what my struggle is with mm -hmm. Pinterest. And so maybe we'll do this together. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, I want to check your account. I want to have your passwords or whatever, but I want to just check in with you when, when you think she's ready for yeah, this. I'm not yeah. saying, you know, you would know best. Uh, but when she is ready that you make that part of the deal and that you, she checks in with you and she tells you mm. honestly how it makes her feel. Like you look yeah. at her pinboards, you look at the things she's interested in and you ask her just honestly, struggler to mm. struggler, right? Okay. Well, do you find yourself mm. comparing, you know, to some of these things or wishing that you had them or believing that if you did have them, that you would be fulfilled mm. and happy, satisfied. Because really the most beautiful thing about that is that speaking to that empty place we all have right. in our hearts, our souls that only Jesus right. Christ can fill. And so we've got to engage this generation, especially in that conversation. And, and that's again, but with all the doom and gloom that I heard, you know, I read and my research about this, this, generation, I was left actually feeling a whole lot of hope because I realized that if we can be honest with them and expose that, just the truth that we all have that empty yeah. place in our hearts and souls that only Jesus mm -hmm. Christ can feel, they're going to get there a whole mm, lot yeah. sooner than they busted. And so that's a good thing if they can get there, if they are feeling the effects of, okay, that didn't yeah. do the trick. Having this many followers being Instagram famous doesn't mm -hmm. do the trick. You know, these people are miserable and, you know, and, and point out too, when you see that it's not living up to the world's expectations or what the culture is telling them the formula is for happiness yeah. and satisfaction. Ricky, and I love that using something as a training ground, just like that was yeah. the perfect example of using Pinterest as a training ground, because then when they do want to get on the bigger, I don't know, the bigger sites or the Instagram, Instagram and Snapchat. And, then you're already that relationship's already molded and already in place to where you can start. Yeah. Does that, I mean, that's Oh, just... absolutely. And the other, the other thing, you know, is, it's the, just the amount of time, yep. right? So when she begins to engage in Pinterest, 
um, whether you give her limits or she learns, you know, when summer break comes along that, oh, wow, I actually felt that Mm -hmm. emptiness when I spent too much time. So she's identifying uh, with a site like Pinterest, which is a far better training ground than throwing her into Instagram and Snapchat and saying, okay, good luck trying to age. Is this good soul when you you know, yeah, jump in uh, um, to the yeah, deep yeah. end, literally. That's totally. good. She's going to be so happy. <laughs> I kind of feel like my mind just got switched. <laughs> so that's good. That is good. She's going to be jumping for joy. Oh, for once, maybe, maybe I'll get a thank you note <laughs> right. from a 12-year-old for once. She's like, <laughs> that Vicki Courtney. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I had a 13-year-old email me one time. Way back, I had a book come out logged on and tuned out it was back it's so far back it was the myspace oh, yes. stuff. remember that remember my and uh anyway i was one of the first to write about it and i was on it you know as a mom and uh exposed what was going on and uh this kid was so mad it was a boy and he wrote me the meanest letter or email and said he, he hid the book from his mother but then she found the email and he had to apologize to me so anyway it'd be nice to get a thank you to a teenager who knows good to know that's awesome uh, so uh, to finish it out was there any other conversations that you wanted to hit on I mean conversation four deals with you know launching your child into adulthood yeah. and so you know a lot of parents think oh yeah you, you really hit the ground running in the high school years for that nope you know that starts when they're young giving them chores giving them a sense of responsibility and so I divide that up into like a pre-launch stage a launch stage a final launch which is really the high school years um, and then you know you hope by then um, they've got an idea of what it looks like to be an adult and so um, mm. that would be, you know, of course, an important conversation. Right. They're all important, yes. of course. And the fifth one deals a lot with just the spiritual mm. disciplines and how we impart to our kids that we're, we're called to be students mm. of God's word and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to serve others. And I talk a lot in with Gen Z um, in, in just the final part of the book that the challenge we face as parents today is because there's so many things that this generation, as I mentioned at the beginning, growing up in post-Christian America, they don't necessarily view as wrong. And so face the challenge of sharing God's truth with them uh, and showing them, okay, again, the why behind God's standards, but we must change our methodology. I believe Mm. that wholeheartedly. And and so kind of the motto that I adopted in that part of the book is that we've got to teach our children to walk in truth, but to lead with love. And I feel like maybe in generations past, we left out the <laughs> the lead mm-hmm. with love part yeah. sometimes. And what that yeah. looks like to love others who aren't like us or who aren't making decisions that line up with God's word. And a lot of them have no idea what God's yeah. word even says, right? So, you know, it's going to be important that we're not coming down, you know, as these just highly judgmental parents with, I can't believe those kids do those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so more of an attitude of all, but all, but for the grace of God, go each and every Mm -hmm. one of us. If we were raised in that home, if we, you know, even if we are raised in this home where we're teaching you about God's truth, we all have the same propensity to son as anybody else on any day, in any given moment to follow to anything. And the minute we start thinking we're above that is uh, when our kids are going to absorb that. They are going to absorb that if we're always 
painting a picture of us and them. And so we've, we've really got to work on what that looks like to walk, to teach our kids to walk Mm -hmm. in truth, but to lead love. Um, and the beautiful thing about that and what I point out at the end of the book is just that again, um, this generation, I believe, and the hope we have here is they will recognize that empty place a lot sooner than maybe Amen. a lot of us did. And they'll come, up, they'll come up short, and they'll hopefully remember these things that we've taught them, and we've given them the answer that Jesus Christ and His gospel is the only thing that can fill that empty place in your heart and soul. And then they will be able to take it to yes. their peers yeah. in love. They will be able to lead and share that yes. hope with them. And especially they can identify with their peers that, hey, I've got that same empty place in my heart and soul as well. Well, Vicki, that's just great. I mean, that's a great place to end. Yeah. We just thank you so much for being on our show today. And just, I took so many notes. I know. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm already, I feel geared up to be a better mom. I know. Uh, well, thank y'all for having me. And, and seriously, having me come back and talk we'll about the boys. Love that. And, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so have much. a great day. Thank All you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Rebel Moms, for listening. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to the Atomic Mom, Laura, and Kristen, producer Kay, for interviewing Vicki Courtney. Thanks to Vicki Courtney. And as always, a special thanks to The Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution.com, The Voice of the Martyrs, helping those around the world who've been persecuted for more than 50 years. Fantastic organization. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.